You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Uh, in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7, Pastor Bill is going to come and share with us here in a minute. This is what Jesus says as John records it. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you, had not, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do, you do know him and have seen him. This is God's word. We are continuing in a series on the metaphors of Jesus. And last week we were in this very same passage, and we spoke of Jesus as the way. And uh, so today we're going to pick up right there and begin to talk about Jesus as the truth. It's interesting how he lays these three words, truth, a way, truth, and life out in this passage. And uh, not saying that I know the way, or I know the truth, or I know about life, but saying I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Now, we obviously know that truth is rooted in God, who is eternal and, and all-powerful and unchangeable. And there are many other words that you could put around uh, God's name for sure. Um, but it's interesting that, that Jesus identifies himself in this particular way. And that uh, on one occasion in John chapter 17, he prays a most unique prayer. And he says to the Father, sanctify them. By the truth, your word is truth. And so we see this amazing sort of uh, revelation that Jesus is threading all through the New Testament here because he is the word. He is the word made flesh. He is the word come down from heaven. All right. And he is this truth and he is identifying himself now here. He's saying to, the, to those who are watching and listening around him here, I am truth. I am the truth. In other words, I'm not any old truth that is someone's perceptions that becomes their truth, but I am the actual truth, all right? Now, what I want to do this morning is talk to you a little bit about this idea of truth, not so much from an apologetic side as, as I want to try to bring it home to us and make some application for us in our own heart. I want us to look at our heart condition this morning, okay? Truth is far more than facts, folks. It's, it's not just something we act upon but the reality is that truth should act upon us we can't change the truth but the truth can change us it sanctifies in other words it it has the ability to set apart it sets us apart from deception it sets us apart from uh, falsehoods those 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 lies if you will that are woven into our sin nature it it moves us it extracts us from that and sets us apart so that we're no longer living in those kinds of places as Christ is the, the, the living word, uh, he is this truth. And uh, he is the, the written word, and that word is truth, all right? Um, even though heaven and earth passes away, the Bible says, God's truth never will. All right, God's truth stays the same. It is consistent. It doesn't, it doesn't move about. And what we're really saying there is that truth is not relative. It doesn't move with situations. It doesn't move with opinions. It doesn't move with political positions. It doesn't move with, with subcultures uh, that rise up and, and have a voice in society at any given time. It doesn't move. Jesus is this truth. And over half of the New Testament use of truth, this uh, aletheia, this, this Greek word, 
over half of where it's used is right here in John's gospel. John John has this message of truth. This is part of what he's trying to do in writing his gospel is to say, I want you to understand this thing about truth. I, I want you to understand that Jesus is the truth. But I think he goes a lot further. And he begins to, to talk to us about what this truth needs to do when it gets in us, all right? And, and you know, mystery writers write those, those, those novels that so many people love. Um, they will often make comments that are something like this. Things are not as they appear. And, and there's, there's intrigue, and there's, there is mystery, and there is unknown factors. And, 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 but but the, whole, the whole thing is built around this idea as that things are being put out there that are not accurate, or they are, they are not real, they're not the way they really are. And so, so the, whole, the whole dynamic is to find out, to get to the bottom of it, to get to the facts, if you will, and, and to get down to where it's at and, and uh, solve the mystery, if you will. And Jesus is saying for you and I, there isn't a mystery about me. I am the truth. I am the truth from the Father. As the Father is, so am I. And I I come to you. There are a couple of points I'd like for you to remember early on here in this message this morning. And that is this. To know the truth is to see accurately. All right, I want you to remember that. To know the truth is to see accurately. And folks, to believe what isn't true is to be blind. And here's the amazing thing. People can be literally blind physically and still see the truth. And people can see well physically and still be blind. And so this morning, the challenge for you and I is, is that we begin to understand that, that God has written His truth on human heart, on human conscience, according to Romans chapter 2. We have this truth available to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And here's the reality, if we'll admit it, and that is that our hearts long for truth. Our, our hearts don't want to reject that at the deepest level. And yet, our soul gets into this thing and our, our lust and our desires and all these kinds of things hit us and the sin nature rises up. And so this battle begins to go on about the truth and we begin to perceive things that are not as they are. And we begin to live, we begin to build this stronghold around our minds that is filled with deceptions and untruths and half-truths and mistruths or however you want to call it. But the reality is for you and I, folks, is that as followers of Christ, we are to walk in the truth, all right, according to, to, to Third John. We, John, re, he rejoiced greatly when, when, he, when he writes this. He says, I rejoice that the brothers have come back to me and that they have testified of you as followers because you are the followers of the truth. And he says, you are walking in the truth. Jesus says, I'm the way. Last week we talked about this way being a pattern, being a path, being a journey that we're on. And John is saying, I am so greatly joy-filled. I'm, I'm rejoicing in this reality that the, the testimony that's coming from, from the brothers about you in the church is that you are actually walking this path. You are actually going along this way. You are walking in this truth and we are rejoicing for that. I dare say that if we look around the world today, we don't see a lot of people who actually rejoice in the truth. In all reality, I think in this election year, we are seeing a lot of people rejoice in what is not the truth. And where does that place us? Where does that place our responsibility? The heart longing for truth. We are God's people. Jesus ends in us. We need to be a people who love the truth. Not only love it, but we believe it. 
you go in your study time and, and pull up Second Thessalonians, get into about chapter 2 and begin to, to read through that passage. And there's an amazing um, sort of statement there that says that those who follow Satan refuse to love the truth. See, we have this idea in Western culture that there is some entity that just takes hold of us. And, and we are deceived simply because it just is going to happen. That dynamic just sort of overpowers us. And it's almost as though we feel as, as though we can't do anything about it. That we are powerless over this thing. That there's just, well, there's just so much delusion out there. There's just so much that we don't even, we don't even understand. We don't know about. We can't figure out. We can't check it all out. It's, we're just going to be deceived. We're just, we're just going to be tricked. It, it's, it's just going to be that way. No, it doesn't have to be that way. It isn't a matter of you just passively accepting whatever the world throws at you or pours on you. You don't have to believe everything that's out there in the world. But I can't sort it out. I can't figure it all out. I don't know what's right or wrong out there. I don't know what's true and not true. It's just, it's got me all confused. Let me tell you something. God has an answer for you. It is love the truth. Because here's the reality about you and I. You and I will spend time going after what we really love. Whatever is appealing to your heart and to your flesh, you will go after it. You will spend time with it. You will embrace it. You will hold it. You will enjoy it. The Bible says Satan was behind that dynamic of those who did not love the truth. And Jesus is saying, I am the truth. And he goes even further to say, and if you love me, you will do what I say. If you love me, the truth, you will do what I say. Hold that in your head there, and we're going to come back to that in just a few minutes, okay? The Bible says that we are to, to, to speak the love, uh, speak the truth in, in love. We're to grow up in every way into Him, all right? So, so all the way in which we are living, all the lifestyle that we are living in, it is to move, it is to be shaped around Jesus so that what we do and what we say and how we respond and our decision-making and all of these things need to be representative of Jesus. When people see the actions of our life, when they see our lifestyle and the fruit of our lives as we are individually doing and as we are corporately doing, People need to see Jesus. That is the intent of God, is that we exemplify the character and the nature and the life of Jesus. So I want you to understand that, that truth is far more than just a moral guide. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. He didn't say, I'll show you the truth. He didn't say, I'll teach you the truth here. He didn't say, I'll model the truth here. He said, I am the truth. Jesus is truth personified. These people were literally able to see the truth as they saw Jesus. He is the source of all truth. He is the embodiment of truth. And he is the reference point for truth. When you evaluate all truth claims, when you look at anything that the world throws at you, when you're put in a, in a particular situation to make a decision, little or small, Jesus is that reference point. He is that place of truth whereby you and I make our decisions. And if we are not there, we are in all likelihood not going to make right decisions. We're not going to make good decisions. When Jesus says, I am the truth, 
what does he really mean? What does that mean for you and I today? I want to give you two things that I think that we need to look at and that need to speak to us. And first is that we need to look at and understand how truth should be working in us. If I am following Christ and he is the truth, how should that truth be working in me? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head into Christ. So if, if, if truth is operative in us, if truth is working in and through us, we need to be growing and maturing. We need to be discipled. Okay, so we need to be growing, we need to be maturing, and we need to be speaking this love out as we do this. And all of this is is in Christ. He is the model, if you will, for us. Not the world, but Christ alone. All right? The Amplified Version says it this way. Express the truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. In other words, every aspect of your life has a truth. Uh, component to it that says this is real I have integrity I'm straight here so in essence there's no secrets going on there's no duplicities in our lives there's nothing that is that is different in one category than the others all of all the facets of our lives line up in one particular way and that they are open and they are honest and they have integrity I realize we all struggle with this okay this this is I mean, let's all be confessional this morning, okay? This is something we are going to struggle with when we battle a sin nature. Because the sin nature wants to do nothing more than to hide and to cover and to distort and to change and to protect and to defend and to do all of these things that causes us to build walls up around those places that we don't want to be seen. And so we begin to live deceptions. And those deceptions are maintained by lies. And those lies can be strong and powerful points of defense for a life that we are afraid, we are afraid, we are fearful will be exposed. And at the root of that is a huge fear of rejection. And Jesus is trying to say to you and I, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. What I have given you, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to fear rejection. I have paid the price for you to be received, to be accepted, if you will. When we're looking at this thing of truth and honesty, we, we can, can we just, all right, say up front, we, we all are struggling with this. We all need help in this. And so today, we're going to start this journey, if you will, of change. That I, I am choosing today to make a difference in my life because I am going to choose to go after truth. I am going to choose to go after Jesus. I'm going to make Jesus as my pattern, all right? Do, do you get frustrated when, when you're not changing? When, when you cycle in the same old habits and the same old patterns, does that frustrate you? That sure frustrates me when I do that. I'm going to be honest with you. It frustrates me when you do that. <laughs> I'll be even more honest with you. It really frustrates my wife when I do that. And it's not just that, that and I hope it, that this isn't the primary piece here, but it's not just that we feel pressure from other people who are a part of our lives who have expectations of us because sometimes people can have too high of an expectation of others. But the reality is that we have an expectation of ourselves. Plus we have, as we were talking about at the beginning, this peace in us, in our, deep in our soul, in our, in our deepest heart that knows, that knows that truth is the right way. And when our, our lives or our, our character or our, our thoughts veer off of that, it causes a dis-ease inside of us. And it messes with us there. Do, do you get frustrated when, when, with, with other people when they don't change in your life? Like my wife does with me? We don't want that kind of tension building in our lives. How many of you, you know... 
I'm, I'm talking about this relationship with my wife because that's, that's my most personal and most intimate relationship. But some of you are not married. Some of you are single, but you're living with a roommate. How many of you got a roommate? And there's some disease. Wow, I just saw a whole bunch of people like sort of like put the shoulder into each other right then. <laughs> you know? It, it happens. Let's, let's be real here in Life Church. Let's be honest about this. Let me ask you a question. What does God do when He saves us? When you become a, a Christian, when he, when he saves you by the blood of Jesus Christ, God declares you what? Not guilty. All right? And, but this is what's so amazing. God declares you not guilty, and then He adopts you into His family. He, he brings you in, if you will. We're all a part of this family together. We've been adopted by the Father. Jesus is our elder brother. We're all in this together. We're one big happy family, okay? But there are situations and issues that rise because we have a sin nature that we are battling and trying to put down all the time. But what I want you to understand first and foremost in this is that you don't have to be afraid of rejection by anyone because God has already accepted you and He has adopted you in saying, You're not guilty. The blood of my Son has covered this stuff. It's taken care of this mess. And so then He begins this, to, to make this very wonderful change in you out of salvation and that is that he begins to place the virtue of Christ in you truth he begins to fashion you in truth he begins to build truth into you I was talking about this with Pastor Dave this week and I used this this example uh, which is is something that helps me to understand it it's very simple think about a great ship on the ocean which is damaged like seriously damaged and it's in danger of sinking and you're the one who has the responsibility of rescuing this ship if you will all right and so what you do then is you do everything you can to get that ship into port and get it docked and when you get there then you know it's safe but it's not sound it needs repairs. And that may take a long time. Jesus wants to make us both safe and sound. God has wanted to get you into port because He didn't want you to sink. And so He has sent Jesus the truth into this earth. To live and to die as a rescuer. And he is the resurrected rescuer. He is the only one who can rescue you. But he brings you into port through that rescue. And he docks you there. And you know what? You're safe. Hallelujah. You're safe. But you're damned. We're all damaged by a sin nature. And who can know the heart that's wicked? And as Paul said, my, my righteousness is no better than filthy rags. That's my, that's my state, if you will. But God's intent is to repair you. Christ wants to make you both safe and sound. Justification gives you the first... <laughs> and then sanctification gives you the second, the soundness. The reparation is being done as God is sanctifying you. And that sanctification comes through truth. Through you being able to understand what it is that God asks of you in His Word. And what, what the nature and the character of Jesus is like as you become conformed to the image Christ. This is a process. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and, and to tell it and to live it in love to others, just like Christ. In everything, we are to grow up into His fullness. We take our lead from Christ, not from the world, not from the news, not from a politician, not from a friend, not from a subculture, not from any other kind of agenda, program, or book. 
Christ is the source of everything we do, according to Ephesians 4. He is it. Here's, here's what God wants to do. God wants to, and, and it's, it's really just a, a simple biblical pattern. God wants to give you a sense of vision, a vision of what Christ wants you to look like and be like. This is what, what God intends. He wants to open your eyes to see this. That is only going to happen in truth. And then he, he has an, an intention, an intentionality about you. God is for you. God is coming for you, coming after you. And, and that is that, that there is a decision that God wants to put inside of you to pursue what he wants for you. Not what you want for yourself. Satan would love for you to stay in that place of self-centeredness. And God wants to take you to a place of self-denial. God wants you and I to make decisions based on the nature and the character of Jesus. And align ourselves with that nature, with that character. Taking on that servant role that Jesus took on, we are to take on. And, and then he gives us the means to do that. So he gives us vision. He gives us intentionality. But he also gives us the means. And what I mean by that is we have the resources of God available to us. We have Jesus. And this Christ is in us. This truth is in us. And so we need to start with this vision of what Jesus' honesty and Jesus' truth looks like. We have to ask ourselves, what is this virtue of Christ? What is this virtue of this truth and this honesty? Sincerity, truth, genuineness, uh, good, sound, ethical lifestyle, being trustworthy, being upright, uh, being, being straightforward, being factual, being real, being, being honest, being truthful. This is, this, these are things that God would want us to go after. And, and, and I think if you're honest right now, you would admit right now that you are not any of these things all the time. We seem to always be struggling with some of these kinds of things. Only Jesus can say, I am the truth. But you and I can declare that the truth is in me. And we can begin to live out of that truthfulness as we line ourselves up with that truthfulness. And it becomes the bar. It becomes the standard. It becomes the watermark of where we are to go. And that process of sanctification then becomes very appealing to us. And we begin to say, okay, I'm going to start allowing the Spirit of God to lead me and teach me and instruct me in the way that I should go. And now I'm lining myself up with Christ more and more so that this sin nature is dying and the spirit man or woman is rising in the image of Christ. And this is a lovely place to find ourselves, right? And only Jesus can place that kind of honesty, that kind of truth, that kind of integrity in you. You're not going to get that in a self-help class. You're not going to get that in a, in, in a, in a positivity class. Uh, you're not going to get that in those things. Nothing wrong with being positive, and I would encourage you to, to get in a process of developing that part of your life, all right, and seeing life in, in a very positive format, see, For reformatting your life. All right, so re refitting yourself so that you see this way. And there are good people out there who can help you do that. But you can't do that fully and completely unless the truth is, a, is, is the number one component. It is, again, that benchmark for all these other things that you utilize to bring wholeness and, and health to your life. So rather than just saying, I, I want to be more honest, uh, I'm telling you that we need to be more like Jesus. And, and I believe that this is possible for you and I. I wouldn't stand up here and preach this if I didn't. And I believe it's possible because I know the change that he's done in us. To save us, to deliver us out of sin, to, 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 to revalue us that way, to, to reaffirm us that way, to say you're more important than anything else. And I send my son to die for your sins, to do for you what you could not do for yourself. I have done that. That is an amazing thing. There's nothing that should make us feel more 
accepted and loved than that. I want you to think about the, the real value of, of truth and honesty as, as we talk here this morning, especially as, as it involves relationships. Not only our relationship with God, our relationship with Christ, but, but your spouse, your children, at your workplace, places where you share Christ. Honesty and truthfulness has the power to build trust in a relationship. And trust is what fuels those relationships. I've never felt more close to my wife than when I've been able to be vulnerable and honest with her and, and talk real truth to her. When we, when we share and exchange out of truth and honesty, we feel very connected to each other. Would you say that's, that's true? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but if either of us are sensing that something's not right, something's not good... It actually causes a gulf. It actually, it actually causes a drift to happen between us. And it, and it only gets fixed, if you will, as we come back to that place of being able to be honest and, and, and sharing our heart with one another. Look how Jesus is described in Matthew chapter uh, 7. Uh, let me read it out of the, the ESV for you. It says, when Jesus finished these sayings, he was talking to the people now. He's teaching and preaching. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. What about the scribes? They spoke one thing and lived another. They, they, they lived, oftentimes the scribes and the Pharisees are, are known for, for preaching a good preach, but not living a good life. All right, sometimes they were described as painted sepulchers. On the outside, they looked really good, but on the inside, they were dead. And... The interesting thing here in this passage I just read to you is that not only were they astonished at his teaching, but it says he was teaching them as one who had authority. I am convinced that you will have greater authority when you are speaking out of truth. And if you live out of a place of deception and speak out of that deception, you will lose any authority that you have. And this is powerful, spiritually speaking. If you want authority in your life, if you want authority in, in your circle of influence, if you want to be able to share Jesus with others, you're going to have to be a person of truth. Listen to me. I'm, I'm speaking to you out of love right now. I'm talking to you out of, out of a pastor's heart right now, okay? You can't win a lost world if you live like you're lost yourself. All right? Listen, don't, don't come and, and tell us that you're a witness for Jesus in, in the marketplace if you are doing the same ungodly things that are in the list of the unrighteous in the New Testament. Again, we're saying no one's perfect, but that is not an excuse. It won't be in life church anyway. You'll, you'll get called on it. And I know you can be more familiar with a friend and in a close relationship. I'm not talking about you gotta you gotta wear a suit and tie and be on your best behavior and 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 you can't go two miles over the speed limit and and you can't do this and you can't do that. And this is about a bunch of laws of do nots and, and that sort of thing. I'm talking about consistency. I'm talking about integrity. I'm talking about when you get out there and you're not sure footed and you're not sure how you need to respond or where you need to go or what you need to say. You don't look around for a cue from someone in the world who's doing all that stuff and looking for an answer and dying and on their way to hell you go back and find the last place you were with Jesus and get your moorings back and get the truth in you and live out of that truth and respond out of that truth and you may have stumbled on the way back but get up don't stay down a good man falls seven times but he gets back up alright 
We're not living in condemnation. We're not living in guilt. We're not living in shame. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about consistency. I'm talking about you having a witness that has sustainability in the marketplace. I'm talking about you living out a life where other people are looking at your life. And when you speak, you have authority to speak because your life is lining up. That same passage in Matthew 7, if you look at it in the message, I don't know if you like that particular one or not, but this, I love this, how it says it here. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religion teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Day in and day out, time and time again, the best teaching you're ever going to get is the truth. That's where you're going to be able to land. That's where you're going to be able to stand. That's where you're going to be able to build. That's That's where the foundation is going to be solid. And if you build off of that and you stay in that truth, you'll build a strong and solid house. Because it will be the same way as the way of Jesus. Uh, this story told of a young lady, and she's, she's, she's on a Florida beach. I, I just like the story because it's a Florida beach. I, could, I, I just love it. Uh, we could say a Brazilian beach, wherever, okay? The beach isn't really the, the, the important piece here at all. But there's a little boy, and he comes along. He's in swimming trunks. He's carrying a towel. And, and he, he, he goes up to this woman, and he says, Do you believe in God? And uh, she's obviously surprised by the question, you know, and she goes, Why, yes, I do. Uh, and then he says to her, do you go to church every Sunday? And she goes, yes. And he goes, do you read your Bible and do you pray every day? And she goes, yes. And, he, and, and she, you know, she's really curious by now. Uh, and she's quite, you know, amused by, by this whole thing. And he goes, okay, will you hold my quarter while I go swimming? Hey, the people who live around you, the people who see you every day, the people who know you, the people who are in your sphere of influence, would they ask you to hold their quarter while they go swimming? Would they trust you with something that is precious to them? I'm going to tell you what, there's nothing more precious than a person's future. There's nothing more precious than the possibilities that have not yet been reached. There's nothing more precious than a young life that hasn't been lived yet fully. There's nothing more precious than the opportunity to shape or mold or bring life into someone who's dying spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically even. And we have been given a trust, but can we be trusted? Is the truth in us. So, we begin here now to get this picture of honesty, this picture of truth. But it's also important, I think, that we understand what honesty is not. What is the opposite of honesty? Lying, dishonesty, (laughs) being a hypocrite, being a counterfeit, being a fake, being a fraud, being crooked, being deceitful, being schemy, being shady, being sketchy. Uh, There's a lot of different things we can say. There's this real danger of comparing ourselves to to other people when we try to argue about our honesty. You know, if we really set the honesty meter up and if it moves over into the red, you know, and stays there, we get all defensive. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. But, you know, we don't really address why the meter goes there and and where we are in this scheme of things. What we do is we begin to look at someone else. Well, I'm not as bad as the neighbor. I'm not as bad as him. I'm not as bad as her. I, I didn't do what they did. I'm not running for president, for crying out loud. You know, we, we always seem to to deflect or redirect the issue off of us so that we're not under the scope, so to speak. And, and I'm afraid that that's not the right place to be. When it comes to being a person of truth, 
Others are not our model. Our Others don't become our comparison chart. Jesus is the model. And we, we make our comparison there. Some of these things I, I just sort of spewed out there as a list. You don't, you don't struggle with them. And, and praise the Lord that you don't. I, I hope that there's a lot of these things. But, but how many times have we twisted the truth just a little bit? Or how many times did we not say everything we should have said to give a clear understanding or a clear picture? How many times have we sat with someone else and, and, and we started scheming? Some of you do what, what I would call uh, unsanctified praying. You get together with someone else and you pray for somebody. Lord, help the person you're praying for. Because what you're really doing is you're dialoguing with each other, calling it prayer, and you're just putting everything out there on the table about that person's life. All their dirty laundry gets poured out, and you're saying, well, we're praying for them. We're trying to, trying to care about them. We've got to look at the motives of our heart and all the things that we do, folks. How are you on the job? Are you, do you really have integrity on, on your job? Are you really living a life on the job that says, if, if I get a chance to witness to my boss, my level of integrity is going to have been so impacting that I will have authority to speak to him and share Jesus with him or her. Are we, are we in that place? Can we, can we do that? You're getting it. I, and I got to go, move on here. Okay. Um, the, the second thing I want to I just talk to you a little bit about here is how we got to consider how we handle the truth as well. All right? And we won't take long on this, but I just want, I just want to bring this to you. Okay? Some people speak the truth. Some people love the truth. They, they are harbingers of the truth they've got the truth they've got the truth out of here they've learned it they've etched it on their hearts they've sealed it they they know this truth they are carrying it around they have their sword with them all the time and believe me they use it all the time just like a sword the problem is they don't know how to use a sword and all they're doing is going through the body and cutting it up. Why would you do that? To you wouldn't, you wouldn't take a knife and cut yourself up normally. So why would you do that to this body? Proverbs chapter 12 verse 18 says, Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword. Wisely spoken words can heal. Listen. There is an ability to use the word in beautiful and wonderful ways to bring such freedom and such healing in people's lives. This is why in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 it says, Speak the truth in the spirit of love for the edifying of the body. You don't need to be tearing each other down. You don't need to be gossiping about each other. You don't use the truth in a way that it harms or it hurts or it creates a casualty. But we use truth in such a way as out of love it builds up. And that, that means honesty. And sometimes that honesty can feel almost brutal, can't it? But the reality is sometimes those, those are the apt words that need to be spoken. But spoken out of love, spoken out of care, spoken out of this sense of, I am here to help in some way. Okay, so we can either be people of deception and be deceived and, and live in that place of death. Or we can walk in truth and follow Jesus who is our truth and follow him in the way and have life. He will set us free. Or we can be those people in the body who just take truth and use it in horrible ways. Or we can build each other up. Where are you? 
Here's my application for you this morning. My application challenge for you this morning and for me. First, let's do three things. Okay, let's start to do three things. Let's start them today, all right? Here's the first thing. Tell the truth to God. Be honest with God. He knows anyway. All right? Be honest with God. In David's prayer in the assembly of the people uh, in, in First Chronicles, when they brought their offerings in uh, for the temple, he said in, in the middle of the prayer, it's kind of down in the middle part of it, but he makes a wonderful, wonderful piece there. He says, I know, my God, that you test the heart and you have pleasure in uprightness. In other words, some translations say you are pleased with integrity. God loves it when we line up. God loves it when truth and our lives are consistent and they line up together. Now this David, this king who prayed this prayer in 1 Chronicles, he has a wonderful prayer in Psalm 139 where he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and, 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 and know my, my thoughts and see if there be anything, any grievous way in me. In other words, anything that grieves you, God, I want, I want to know that. And then he says, and lead me in the way everlasting. Isn't that great? He grabs the hold of heart. He goes to the heart issue. He goes, he goes to that, that place of, of truth. And he says, you search me because I want to live in the way. Jesus comes back and says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Question for us. Do you you know, do do you understand that um, repentance is agreeing with God? Repentance is agreeing with God. We think it, uh, oh, we think it to be something like this. Oh, I, I have to stop doing something. I, I have to quit this. I have to quit that. I have to stop this. I have to stop that. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a, a do not piece. That's, that's what repenting means. It means quitting. It means stopping. Well, then why don't we stop? If, if it's that simple and, and we know that, that to repent just means to stop, then why don't we stop? Because repentance means more than just stopping. Repentance means agreeing with God about what needs to be stopped. Repentance is, is saying, I believe what God says, and God says I should not do this, or I should not do that, or I should not live this way or that way. And I need to turn from that. But it's agreeing with God and saying that is sin. That is wrong and that is sin and I need to stop doing that. So repentance is deeper than just stopping something, if you will. If we don't first agree with God, what that means is we are likely going to love our sin more than we love God's truth. And God's truth is His Son. Now this is where it gets right down to the nitty gritty, folks. You and I have to look at our issues. We have to look at our struggles. We have to look at those places where sin is in the root of things. Sin is at the bed of this thing. And look at that sin and say, you know what? I'm going to choose to agree with God that that is wrong for my life. I'm going to choose to agree with God that I cannot have that in my life. And I'm going to begin to love God more than I love my sin. I'm going to begin to take down the idols that are in my life. Because anything I love more than I love God is an idol. And if I'm sticking with that and not with God, when God tells me not to do that or to release that or to let it go, I am saying, I'm sorry, but I love this more than I love you, God. And folks, that is a dangerous place for you to find yourself. That is a dangerous place for you and I to live in in that kind of place. When When His Word says that I'm a sinner, I might decide to say, say no, I'm, I'm not so bad, I'm better than my, my neighbor. He, he's the whopper of a liar or whatever. But if I'm honest, 
I need to be able to say, you know what, I'm just going to agree with God about my inconsistencies. I'm going to agree with God about my dishonesty. I'm going to agree with God about my integrity conflict. I'm going to agree with God about my deceptions. I'm going to re- agree with God about my deceit. I'm going to agree with God about my broken promises. So talk to God. Tell God the truth. Like David, I am a sinner. Saved by grace. But there are things that need to be repaired. I'm safe. But I need to be repaired. Second, tell the truth to yourself. Tell yourself the truth. I don't know about you, but I struggle with being honest with myself. I deceive myself about, about how hard I work, about how pure my motives are, about how much time I really spend with God, how good I'm eating or, or not eating or what I'm eating or drinking. How about we, how about we get honest with ourselves and look in the mirror and really, really admit that we're not perfect but that we are pursuing this virtue of Christ, that we're allowing Christ to develop this virtue inside of us. And if you're really struggling with a, uh, with a, a relationship with, with, well, with a, a spouse, a husband or a wife, or maybe a parent, maybe one of your kids, um, some of this stuff gets right on, on, on the top of your mind, and you're probably even thinking, you know what, I, at times, I just, I, man, I need to come clean. I need to tell them the truth. Yes. We do. We do. And I want to encourage us in that, that we're, we're being more honest. And let me tell you, the rest of you, when one of us is confessional, be forgiving, please. All right? Let's do the Jesus thing all the way. All right? Let's, let's live Jesus on both sides of this coin. So someone may just come to you and say, hey, I just, I just need to confess. And you know what? Don't shoot me now, Okay? but you need to take spiritual authority as a believer and forgive them of their sins. Just forgive them. You think about that, but you get in the scriptures and you look and you pray and you live as Jesus. Hear, hear the confession. And, and out of your part, forgive. It will help someone so much. Third thing, tell the truth to others. (laughs) Tell the truth to God. Tell the truth to yourself. Tell the truth to others. Begin with those who are closest to you. Just try a little honesty. Whether it's family, whether it's co-workers, be, be people who are pursuing truth. And live around those kinds of people. Don't live in, in a, a, a conglomerate of people who are always deceptive and always deceiving and getting what they want and trying to get to the top in some way. If you're struggling with some kind of relationship and it's on your mind and you're thinking, I need to tell them the truth, then go do it. Be, a, be willing to take that risk and tell the truth for the sake of the relationship and for the sake of Christ. It's been said, insincere talk that hides what you're really thinking is like fine glaze on a cheap pot. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips behind an evil heart that is not a pretty picture that is not lovely you know what the Bible says about you it says you are a vessel of honor prepared for the master's use perfected unto every good work be a vessel of integrity be a vessel of truth be a vessel of honesty if you will you and I we need to build deep and meaningful relationships this is important for us first John chapter 1 says if we live some translations say walk if we live in the light of God he is the light then that we can share and we have fellowship with one another
Only living in truth, only living in the light, can we have genuine, honest fellowship with one another. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13 says, When things are brought into the light, then their true nature is clearly revealed. Let me ask you a question as we close here. Have you ever realized or, or noticed that when a really bright light shines on you, that you are really ugly? It's really delightful when the lights are dim in here, isn't it? Dim light is so forgiving. And everybody seems so comfortable. Oh, the light's dimmed. Now I can be myself. But when that bright light is shining, you see all the imperfections, all the the little things. We don't want to see those. We We don't want to look at that. But here's what you've got to understand. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Truth lives in me. Let me read you one last passage of Scripture, and we're going to close here because we just, we've just got to today. Ephesians chapter 4, um, verses 22 through 25, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. I'd love for you to go back and read it like in the ESV or the NIV or one of those translations. Um, But I want to read it to you from the message from uh, Eugene Peterson's works. And I, I want this to be our challenge as we end today, all right? Beginning in verse 22, this is what it says. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go it's rotten through and through get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life a God-fashioned life a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you what this adds up to then is this no more lies no more pretense tell your neighbor the truth in Christ's body we are all connected to each other after all when you lie to others you end up lying to yourself and the reality is you've lied before God I want to challenge you and I today that we live in Christ. And that means Christ living in us. He's brought you into port. He took you out of the sinking waters. And He docked you. He saved you. Now is the work of reparation. He is repairing you. Growing you. From the inside out, He is doing this repair work. And when you are done, you'll set sail in the image of Christ. And you will be a light in the world. Amen? Amen. We have the gospel now. Melissa. I think if you're anything like me this morning, it's just sort of this discomfort of like understanding where there is deception and there are lies in my life. Um, And it's unnerving. And trying to scramble of like, well, then how do I live? Where's the security? Where's the safety? Where's the foundation? And the gospel is that Jesus is that foundation. We are sinful. Um, We've lived apart from God. But God's plan from the beginning was to send Jesus, his son, to earth, to live and to die for us, to take the punishment for our sin, Um, And then he was raised again so that we could join him in new life. And we could be able to walk in truth. That that is the foundation we walk from, is that we are redeemed people. So if you've never heard that and you want to begin this journey of following Jesus in truth, um, the prayer team is going to come. And um, you have an opportunity to pray with someone. Or if you just need prayer, come up. This team will be here for you. So um, I will just pray quickly, and the team can come. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this love that we can 
walk in truth. We can understand who we really are, that we are in need of you. We have sin in our lives, and we try to set up so many things other than you to make things look right and feel right and and stand firm, but you are our firm foundation. You are the one um, who saves us. You are the only one who saves us. So I pray today for all of us here that we would be able to examine ourselves according to your word. We would be able to be honest with ourselves and with each other um, and that we would grow in our trust of you, that we would grow in understanding who you are and what it is you have done for us. So I thank you, Father, for today. I thank you, Father, for this love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.